In today's programme, we talk to the designers of the Raspberry Pi computer, a surprisingly inexpensive computer that's aiming to bump-start computing, much like the Acorn BBC Micro did 30 years ago. What do they both have in common? It just might be Cambridge. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. In this section called Scientists at Work, we talk to people who, for some reason or another, find themselves working, researching or thinking about science in Cambridge, England. We come to the remarkable story of a computer designed locally that's been making headlines all through this year. Called the Raspberry Pi, it follows the trend of naming computers after fruits like acorns and blackberries. But it rather bucks the trend of making computers more and more luxurious and expensive because this one costs merely £30 or so. History has already been made by its popularity. They sold 100,000 on day one and 200,000 so far. You can follow them on Twitter and join 65,000 others. Do you need another computer? Well, of course, no. But how about a computer that you might use for some home automation project or one you might stick to the back of a TV and use as a media centre or one you can give to someone in the next generation to see what they can make of it and what they can do with it. So I visited the computer lab in Cambridge University and I met with PhD student Alex Bradbury and the co-founder of the Raspberry Pi Foundation, Dr Rob Mullins. I started by asking Rob what's driven them. The charity's aim is to promote uh, computer science and electronics at the, at the school level. And I think this was really in response to a realisation that less and less young people knew what a computer was or understood how it could be used as a general purpose tool, so how you programmed a computer. So more and more people are seeing these devices as complete black boxes and, and just consuming content from them. And we were seeing this in the, in the sort of people we were getting um, during the admissions to Cambridge, and we wanted to see if we could do something about it. Okay. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an educational tool, is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Uh, it's a, hopefully a, a catalyst to try and uh, boost interest in this area and give children some, you know, a, a fun uh, tool to, to help them learn. Okay. And we'll also come to things where it, it's quite handy for somebody who's interested in stuff at home. Absolutely, yeah. So something that you can, you can, uh, you can almost you know, play with at home to explore programming and hopefully also a little bit of electronics. So, so one of the interesting things about Raspberry Pi is it, it's sort of it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a PC if you like it does just about everything a PC does but it's stripped down to the bare bones it's a it's tiny credit card sized PCB and one of the, the sort of unique things you can do with it is build it into other projects and gadgets and that's something we've, we're really enjoying seeing what people who have got them already are, are beginning to do with them in that, in that sort of area So what is it? I'm looking at this credit card sized circuit board it's green and it's got bits <laughs> so it's 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 everything you really need well the, the bare minimum if you like to build a computer so it's a processor a graphics processor as well because it, it generates very nice um, uh, 3d graphics and nice video playback and then some memory on top of that an sd card slot so that you can store your operating system and applications and programs and things and then the rest of the, the the majority of the PCB is connect is uh, full of connectors. So um, connectors for your keyboard and mouse, two um, USBs, wired you, uh, wired Ethernet connection. So for your network connection, wow. HDMI f- to go to your to your uh, TV, an old style composite uh, connector if you if you want to connect to an old old style uh, CRT TV. That's 
um, audio output, power socket, so it's, it's powered off a standard um, micro USB socket plug that you would use to charge a mobile phone, and then lots of general purpose I.O., like I said, if you want to build this into something else like a robot and you want to drive motors and flashlights and get input from buttons, then you need these sort of connectors as well. So it, everything we need to build a little computer, but in a, in a sort of credit card size format, um, built as cheaply as we possibly could. Okay. So this sort of so the Raspberry Pi project, I guess, is made possible by advances in uh, processor technology that have really been spurred on by mobile phones and uh, sort of high, these high-end smartphones that you get. So this is this chip is the sort of chip you would find in one of those smartphones or a set-top box. Uh, it's because these chips are produced in such high uh, volume that we're able to produce a computer at such a low cost, but also one that's powerful and has some great graphics capabilities. So one thing people are using it for is as a really nice media center. And yesterday we, wow. we had an event and people wanted to watch the Olympics and we were streaming um, uh, the Olympics with you know, using BBC iPlayer and displaying it in you know, uh, uh, a lovely picture on a big uh, HDTV using a Raspberry Pi. My goodness, I'd need to see that. So that chip there is a chip that I find in a set-top box. So presumably my set-top box is running Linux. Yes, many of them, many of them run Linux. So you have Linux and you put it on the SD card. That's it. Which these days is ample space for an operating system. Yeah. And the thing boots from there. Yep, that's it. That's that's all you need. So it's... it's I guess this sort of system you find in one form or another, often with less connectors and in a less open form. You know, we're as open as we possibly can be so that people can modify it. But you find this sort of system in, in everything from mobile phones, digital cameras, set-top boxes. You know, This sort of embedded system built around a, an arm core from a, from a local company is just found everywhere now in huge numbers. Okay. A certain amount of design is involved in this, is that not? Certainly, and in fact, I mean, the assembly is actually a quite an advanced process, in particular for the uh, system on chip, which is this main chip in the middle, which really powers uh, you know, the whole thing. And that's uh, the RAM is on top of the CPU, and that has a very fine array of which would need to be soldered by it needs to be soldered by robots. It's uh, you know, there's quite impressive. You see the pictures. It's a PGA type arrangement. Your designing encompasses how that stuff connects together. So the design was uh, it was done by uh, Gert, Gert originally for the basic um, for the Alpha board and then the uh, design which could then be manufactured in bulk with appropriate costings was done by Pete uh, Pete Lomas who's one of the trustees and so that design has to take into account both I mean we have this twenty five dollar or thirty five dollar um, price target so obviously the whole design has to be done so that. You have to design very carefully so that you don't have extra components which you don't need, and so that, of course, it's safe, meets all certification requirements, and so forth. And do you get to this low price because these components have now become quite inexpensive? Uh, we're able to do this with one main chip, and that's possible because of you know the, the advances in fabrication technology. We're able to put hundreds of millions of transistors on a single chip, <laughs> and that obviously reduces the cost. They're produced <laughs> in high volume uh, anyway, so... So, so that, that, that's certainly part of the, a big part of the story. The other part, as, as um, Alex was explaining, is creating a PCB that's, that's simple to construct, is cheap to construct, and has the minimum number of components on it. And that was, that was one of the challenging parts of the project. Okay. Can, can we come back to what sorts of things 
had been done w- with this device. With the Raspberry Pi. I guess the primary goal is to get people to learn programming. And one way people are doing that is to use um, some of the software that comes with the Raspberry Pi. So things like Scratch, which is a great um, graphical educational uh, programming environment for children from seven or eight up. And we've seen even younger children use that. And Python, which, which comes with it. And there's lots of um, books out there if you want to learn Scratch or Python. I mean, there's going to be books which are based around the Raspberry Pi coming out very soon. I guess on the project side, we've seen people send them to the edge of space. So there was a lovely project where people, you know, attached a Raspberry Pi to a, um, a weather balloon and sent it up to, I think it was 40, kilom- 40 kilometres, mm. um, yeah. and took some lovely photos. And one of the nice things there was using the Raspberry Pi, it's a relatively powerful computer, and they were able to do some processing on the images and, and, and um, transmit them back to... Earth, live, live pictures live. from the Raspberry, Raspberry Pi attached to the camera, which was really nice. Uh, so there's, there's a number of robot uh, projects in the, in the pipeline. So it makes a nice robot controller. Again, it's a, it's a lot more powerful than the sort of things people have used in the past and a lot cheaper. We've had a voice-controlled robot arm, I thought, was yeah. quite a nice project. So they, right. again, using the fact we've got a, relatively speaking, quite a powerful CPU, so you can do some reasonably advanced um, voice recognition algorithms to work out what the user is saying and then translate that into the appropriate uh, robotic arm movements. Yeah. We've got a camera module coming later in the year, and again, I think that'll, that, that, that will be a, a nice thing that can be used in the robot projects. There's um, Fish Pie, which is a project to send a Raspberry Pi across the Atlantic in an autonomous boat. I'm trying to think of some of the other, but people are building them into. So there's, there's sort of it's, a lot of them are, are sort of homebrew uh, little projects, but also there's commercial interest in it. So we've, we've had some uh, interest from people who are producing museum exhibits or sort of interactive kiosks, digital signage, that kind of thing. So a number of projects in in, in that area as well. People building voicemail systems with them, video phones, using them as media centres, mini games machines, energy monitoring applications. The London Zoo project was uh, was another exciting yeah. one where they're um, planning to use the Raspberry Pi in order to um, hook it up, hook it up to a camera, and um, it's sort of an extension of previous projects they've done whereby they, they take their camera input and they get the users around the world to help to classify animal sightings. Uh, to work out what they've seen and where, and um, you know, a Raspberry Pi could be a low-cost way to create a platform which they can distribute all yeah, over the place. Cameras, yeah, major cameras yeah. and in the world. Yeah. You're hoping schools to connect with you as well. Do you yes, the, the challenge has been to, to get this far has been to design the Raspberry Pi to to ramp up uh, volume production and to and to get it out into this fantastic community of people that that are so generous generously contributing to the project to get the platform. Uh, in good shape and I think um, there's a really big push now in the next few months to create some really good teaching material around the platform we're, we're doing some work here so we're, we're working on uh, some, some projects some robots and uh, interfacing it with some interesting bits of electronics that, that could help teach them some of the basic principles of computer science working on an activity day based on robots at the moment but really hope to scale that work up over the next few months and, and create some really good teaching material that can that that, that schools can uh, can pick up so from the point of view of the consumer so what you, help is available to them? so you can buy a raspberry pi from Farnell or rs or element 14 and rs for 35 so it's 35 dollars it's about 30 pounds in the uk once you've paid for shipping like i said at the moment when you buy it it's sort of you buy the bare board and you have to buy it you know the, the power supply separate, and the, and, the, and the leads you would need to connect to your television. I think as we move towards Christmas, I think you'll probably see uh, more complete packages, uh, a sort of educational release with the, with a manual, the Raspberry Pi, a case for the Raspberry Pi, 
um, and everything you need to sort of get going. So I think I think what well, really important part of the project is providing something that's um, you know attractive to children, but also something they can own. So the the original goal from day one was always to create something where you know everybody could, who wanted one could have one, the sort of price of a textbook, and that that was always you know a big part of the project. I think it's great, even in its sort of naked form, it's something that does you know uh, seem to appeal to children, and that's great. What kinds of people? They're all got the word computer in their title. Are involved in that industry. Okay, well, so I, I, so I, I do my work primarily on the software side. So I would uh, be looking at the software stack for the Raspberry Pi, okay. um, which it would involve. So you know, basically, I you you take your Raspberry Pi board, and then of course, until you have software, it's not going to do anything. So we write our operating system image to the SD card, which which would give you a Linux-based operating system, which is used in many products. But then, of course, you need to customize that and port it to the particular board and peripherals which you have on a device such as Raspberry Pi. Beyond that you have the various applications which need to be optimized or ported to work with the Raspberry Pi hardware and of course moving forward we want to have more applications with an educational focus which would you know, make use of Raspberry Pi's capabilities such as the uh, 3D graphics chip which is very powerful. Okay. There's a great example of the community development effort there because the, so we're based on Debian Linux, which is a so that's a, a, a Linux distribution which is used um, in many places, and that's a community developed distribution that has something like uh, thirty to forty thousand software packages available for it. Now the problem with that was that they weren't compiled in a way that was optimized specifically for the Raspberry Pi's processor, and so a community member, um, Mike Thompson bought a bunch of development boards from another ARM platform before he even got his hands on a Raspberry Pi and uh, yeah, it cost you know, over $1,000 and set up a build farm and set about recompiling the entire Debian archive, optimized the Raspberry Pi because he knew that this was a... He, he believed in a project, thought that he wanted, he wanted an even better software experience for when his children got, got their hands on it and uh, with other people who have they've come on board he's completed that project now and we've moved to that as our official software distribution Wow, that's a big thank you over mm. there How about the business of making it? So, so somebody has to do the PCB design hmm. so I suppose an electronic engineer Okay. Um, somebody with, a, with an engineering background and then there's a process where you have to actually get the Raspberry Pi manufactured uh, and at the moment, that's done in China. Uh, we're hoping to bring back uh, manufacturing to the UK, but at the moment, it's in China. And again, there's a process there where, you, where they have to uh, actually assemble the Raspberry Pis, but also um, uh, test them, etc. And it needs to be done. I mean, one of the challenges is getting that done in in the in the volumes that we need. Uh, so we now we've we've sold hundreds of thousands to date. I think they're being manufactured at about four thousand. 4,000 a day at the moment. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you've had fantastic press so far. Tell us about this charity that was set up. I mean, how did, how did that all come about? Early on, so we, we met originally in 2008. We discussed what could be done, and, and I guess it was a combination of the of the sort of people that were involved in the, in that meeting, and it was some of us with, with hardware background, some of us, people like Jack Lang, uh, David Braben, who were contributed to the original BBC Micro project. So the vision quickly became a what could we do, which was which was a sort of BBC Micro for the 21st century, if you like. And again, I think it was at that very first meeting that we decided that it was going to be purely a, 
a charitable exercise, which I think is great. It, I think it sends the right message. It's also built this fantastic community of, of volunteers, and we wouldn't, it would, it would have been impossible to get that to get this far without without their help. And I think that's one of the major strengths of the project is this, you know, the community that of, of Raspberry Pi users, be it people who are new to computer science or you know well-established engineers. So this. I think the forum, the online forums are great and you can see experienced people and, and people very new to the project exchanging ideas and knowledge and I think that's a great part of the project. That's excellent. Thanks there to Rob Mullins and Alex Bradbury who are some of the people behind the Raspberry Pi computer. I'd recommend you go see what can be done. Look up Raspberry Pi on YouTube to see the things that people are getting up to already. See, for example, how to program in Scratch or see Rob Mullins explaining what to do with it. Whatever, I think you'll be impressed. And if you're a Cambridge local, you can't help feeling a bit of local pride. And why not? That's pretty much all for today's show. Scientists at Work is made by the Science Show team on Community Radio Cambridge 105. You can also find past episodes on the website www.cambridge105.fm. You can also subscribe to future podcasts with the iTunes store. You can get in touch with us on the email science at cambridge105.fm or on Twitter at 105science. Till next time, it's bye from the Science Show team of Roger Frost and Chris Crease. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105.